Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 159, and we are recording on Monday, August 7th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing on this day that feels like the Mondayest of all Mondays? <laughs> doing, doing okay. I had a nice corgi cuddle earlier to reboot after the work day. <laughs> As one does. Uh, Dylan insisted that I needed to give him the corgi tax for my omelet. Eggs are one of his favorite foods in the world. <laughs> so I paid the corgi tax, but he still wanted more. I mean, taxes are just getting higher and higher. I feel like Robin Hood, you know. <laughs> but uh, doing all right. <laughs> corgi tax, yeah. No, Blaine told me this today while well, he was, he said he was he was at home doing doing chores, laundry, trying to just you know pick up some stuff and he said gilbert was walking around following him from room to room just so mad that he did not would not sit on the couch for snuggles just kept <laughs> hollering at him until he sat down and gilbert could crawl on his lap he's very he's very old and crotchety and very demanding so and then and then of course when i come home he's full of, full of all kinds of stories about how he didn't get any snuggles and no one's paying attention to him. And he's just the hardest life being a Gilbert. It's a, it's a rough life out there. I know. I know. These poor animals. What what are we going to do Suffering. with them? Suffering creatures, for <laughs> Suffering sure. in silence. <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. Those little turds. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are things going on in the book world? Anything you're currently reading that you're excited about? Well, I haven't started reading it yet, but I did get a copy from the library and it is currently sitting on my shelf. I talked about this book a few episodes ago when it came out. It was How Can I Help You by Laura Sims, which is a psychological thriller set in a public library. And I'm like, yes, please. And the main plot is around two library employees there's Margot, who has, you know, created a, a, a nice little niche for herself working in this small town public library. And then there's Patricia, who is a newer employee, and she's like, mm, something's off with Margot. And in, and this this is not a spoiler. This is you know on the back of the book if you read it. Margot is actually in fact a former nurse with a trail of premature deaths at the various places she's worked, and so she's trying to put that all behind her. But Patricia's like mm, something's up with Margot, and then one of the library patrons ends up dead in the bathroom. And Patricia kind of starts thinking that Margot had something to do with it, and so she starts you know keeping an eye on Margot and then just kind of becomes more and more obsessed with figuring things out. Um, so not only is this a story of female obsession, which are is present in a lot of the books that I enjoy, it's also set in a public library. And I'm interested to see how much the environment of the public library plays a role. And if so, like what little details are in there, because like, you can tell when an author either is like has worked in an environment like that or has really done their research because they get the details right. And so I'm just very excited to see how this plays out. And yeah, and it's got a great cover. It's just it's a black cover with an old fashioned due date card pocket with a due date card stuck in it that's on fire. It's great. <laughs> I, I love everything about this book so far. I just haven't sat down and read it yet. Um, but yeah, that's How Can I Help You by <laughs> Laura Sims. <laughs> and what about what about you? Have you been reading or doing anything interesting pertaining to mysteries and thrillers? <laughs> well, I read the two books I'm going to talk about today. I read those and I've read a lot of things but not necessarily mysterious thrillers or horror. But I have been reading, Katie, the yes. Hobonichi Techo 2024 line is coming out soon. Ooh. And there are daily updates. They're releasing new information once a day. It's beautiful. <laughs> and you might be like, Kendra, why is this important? This podcast, this happens because I am organized <laughs> and I'm able to do journal therapy. <laughs> 
<laughs> through Pusheen stickers. Um, that's vitally important to my creative workflow. So while I may not have recently read anything else besides the one I'm going to talk about today, I planned everything through Hobonichi Techo. And I think this is an important addition, you know, to our experience here <laughs> on Red or Dead. I love the Pusheen stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I What I do is I like uh, I like to take the covers of the audiobooks, which are square, and I put them on the calendar um, in my A6, so the small one. And so it looks like the Monopoly game from oh. McDonald's, right, where you uh-huh. peel them off and stick them on. Well, I peel off the covers, and the day I finish the book, that's the square that it goes on. Oh, that's cool. Yes, I have this little thermal printer thingy from, I think it's Canon. And so I print off the little squares. And I also will take photos of me and the books and put them in the like journal pages. It's really fun. I would recommend it. And so that's what I've been doing. You might have to send me some pictures of this. This sounds awesome. I don't think you realize the torrent of photos that you may have just unleashed. <laughs> Uh-oh. But no, I definitely will because there are a lot of great photos. I can even print off photos of the corgis and stick them in this thing. It's it's just a beautiful – I got Studio Ghibli stickers. Ooh. And like I love Japanese and Korean stationery, so lots of stickers from there. I have Zelda stickers in The Legend of Zelda. So washi tape out the wazoo. My mom is a semi-professional scrapbooker, so she has uh-huh. yep. so much <laughs> – Around. So anyway, all that to say that that is happening and it is joyful because the rest of the books I will recommend today are not necessarily happy and joyful. So we're getting it in. <laughs> this, w- this was your spot of joy in the podcast. Enjoy. Yes. This was the <laughs> rainbows and sunshine portion of the podcast <laughs> before we go because I picked two horror novels today. So yes. <laughs> well, we do. I was going to say that we've got one more one more little spot of joy. You want to tell us uh, what what book Riot's got in store? Yes. So as the, I have many hats, I used to be a bibliologist for Book Riot's TBR service. So if you want to escape the dog days of summer with the perfect book recommendation, you can get tailored book recommendations, and bibliologists will pick awesome books for you to keep you entertained. And it is a fabulous service. So what you do is you send them a a profile that your bibliologist reads, and then you tell them what you want to read more of. There's even sections for things like, I don't want to read books where the dog dies, and they will not send you any books where the dog dies. Uh, You can order a version of the service where they will send you the books themselves, or uh, open internationally is just the digital service where they will recommend the books, and you can go find them at your library or from your own bookshelves or, or whatever it is. I think it's such a great service. I have given it as gifts a lot uh, because, you know, my friends hear my recommendations all the time. So sometimes I just like to give them something else. And so one time I gave my friend an entire year of TBR as a gift and she loved it because she could go to her library. That was her favorite thing to do. And I don't know. I think it's a a really great thing. So we will have links uh, in the show notes. You can go to mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes, and that's mytbr.co. I mean, you can't go wrong with more book suggestions. It's just the greatest part about working in any capacity with books. Like, I had a couple of patrons just today come, they were, we were just kind of chatting books, and I, I mentioned something about mysteries, and they were like, you know, I've been looking for some new mystery recommendations, and I was just like, oh, my time has come. <laughs> I have been summoned. Uh, <laughs> I know, and and even and even we had a patron who came up and was asking me about very very dense historical fiction, which I don't read, but I was just happy to be talking books. I'm like, look, even if I haven't read the book, I know the authors you're talking about. I purchased for this collection. I am paid to stay up to date with all of this stuff. So I'm 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 like, yeah, I haven't read it, but I'm still picking up what you're putting down. And it's great. And book recommendations of all stripes are fantastic. And it's also a great way if you're looking to delve into somewhere you're not familiar with. Like, say, I don't know, you want to read Spanish novels in translation, or you want to read about Explorers to the North Pole, you can say that and they will find you those books. And that's like the joy is that there are a lot of different bibliologists who specialize in different things. So you're paired with one that matches your interests. And it's a great process. So would recommend All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shue barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. All right. Well, if you are new to the show, welcome. We are so delighted to have you join us. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are, we're just so excited to have everyone here. This is just such a delight to be able to do this every couple of weeks. So like we said at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and suspense and true crime and anything that falls under that ginormous umbrella. So whether you are looking for discussions of different subgenres in the mystery world or movie adaptations or award news or author read-alikes or true crime updates, anything along those lines is honestly fair game because there, there, is so, there are so many ways that we can spin this. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is always the point where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because as we have often said, we really truly do use these suggestions when it comes to planning out future episodes. It helps us know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It helps us expand our own reading horizons. And it's just been a really great setup all around. And we love hearing all of the ideas that you all come up with. So if you have any ideas, let us know. We're going to have our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry, you don't have to get it down right now. Um, we just always put the call out ahead of time to get the creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that is also awesome. We love that. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy this podcast and haven't done so already, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us because we're fun. <laughs> and this is a fantastic show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with that, um, I'm going to jump into our new segment. And usually August, I mean, there's still summer releases, we're gearing up for fall, but there isn't always a huge amount of news happening. However, I thought this was pretty cool. So Hyperion Avenue is creating a new Marvel crime series. Now, not not graphic novels. These are going to be actual crime novels. And the best part of that is that so far they've got three authors lined up to put out the first three books. So we've got S.A. Cosby, Lisa Jewell, and Alex Segura that are already tied to this project. Each one of them is going to be writing a novel. 
uh, featuring a particular Marvel character or inspired by a particular Marvel character. Like I think Lisa Jewell is the first is going to have the first book released and her novel is going to be centered around Jessica Jones. And yeah, it, this sounds really, really cool. And I will, I will admit, even the, to the chagrin of so many of my friends and, and acquaintances, I am not a Marvel person. <laughs> I have seen maybe one Marvel movie and it was like the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. Like, I'm not a Marvel, I'm not a Marvel person, but these are some really awesome authors that are attached to this project. And I love the concept of it. I think there's so many different ways that you can spin this. And yeah, there's just going to be a lot of talent with with this series. So, and since I know that I am in the minority of not being a Marvel fan, that means so many of you out there are probably are Marvel fans and are probably just absolutely dying to get your hands on a copy of one of these. So are you, Kendra, are you a Marvel fan? I do. I do enjoy Marvel. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, like I'm not going to go to like fan events or anything, but I do watch almost all of the Marvel stuff that comes out. I think uh, it's a really interesting like world. So I'm very excited for this collaboration. I'm excited to see like what it does. It's interesting because like DC has done something like this with other and collaborated with other like big name authors to create stories in their universe. So I'm excited to see Marvel do that. I think it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I and especially since you and I have been talking about S.A. Cosby so much recently, yes. the fact that he's attached to this, I'm like, okay, it's going to be cool. Yeah, I well, I won't get into the. I've just there's so much happening with Marvel that at this point I'm just like it's just homework to catch up. Like, and it's <laughs> not, and it was never even that interesting to me to begin with. However, that also means that there are so many different ways that this can be taken, and I think. I can't remember what the specific series is called, but I know that there have been a series of romance novels that have been put out with Disney themes. Like, I think it was Zareda Cordova who just put out, was it Kiss the Girl or yes, something like that? But, yes. but there's a, there's a, and I think, oh, and of course, all of the names are flooding my, or just fleeing my head at this point, but they've done a romance type of series where they take, you know, the ideas and some of the characters and themes from these classic Disney movies and turn them into contemporary romance novels, which I think is really cool. I think it's really cool to see these different takes on very well-known storylines. So yeah, I will be excited to see how this plays out. And I think Lisa Jewell is going gonna, is gonna to have the first book released, um, but it's not going to be uh, until 2024. So there's a little bit of a wait for that. And then S.A. Cosby is going to be doing a Luke Cage book, and Alex Segura is going to be doing Daredevil, and both of those, I think, are slated for 2025. So it's not going to be immediate, but keep your eyes open, keep your eyes on this because this is this is probably going to be going to be take off pretty pretty significantly. Well, it sounds really cool. Yes, very excited for that. Well, we have a theme for today that is one of my favorite reading themes of the whole year. Um, and that is Women in Translation Month. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely done Women in Translation. I think we've there may have we may have missed it one or two years, but it's it's a regular feature um, at Red or Dead. And I think well, we all know. I mean, mysteries come in so many so many different subgenres and flavors and stuff. But also internationally, it, it's just such a widespread genre that you know it's just so interesting to see how people from, you know, different different countries with different different languages, different cultures interpret these mystery tropes like, you know, um just yeah, just seeing how they how they take these different ideas and turn them on and turn them on their head is always is always fascinating. And your genre lands differently in different places. So I always find mm -hmm. it interesting in the translation like how it, it translates into English language, not only in the words itself, but also our translation of genres and how we understand <laughs> genres. And so that's something that even though I picked two what we might consider horror books today, they are very different. Yeah, it's just, you know, it, like you said, it's not just the language, but mysteries 
you know, the, even the mystery, the crafting a lot of the time is around plot rather than language, but because the plots have to be so tightly crafted, the translation, I mean, it, it really, you have to be able to not only literally translate it, but also translate the same sense of, you know, foreboding or, you know, putting the same puzzle pieces in, into line. It, it's, a, you know, it's a very complex undertaking. And as someone who is only unilingual, I do not, like, I have come to the realization that, like, like when I took, I took French in, in high school, I do not do well with other languages. It just does not click for me. So I, anyone who can, you know, who can do the work of translation is just, is incredibly impressive to me. Yes. So there's so many great books out. I'm so excited. I had to narrow it down, but I picked, <laughs> I actually read two books I hadn't read before because one, I have a giant TBR. Um, if you want to know more about my Women Translation Month reading journey this month, you can head over to my Instagram and stuff, which is linked in show notes. But I picked these two and I read these two first for the show because I was like, I need to talk about them. <laughs> well, go ahead. I was going to say, don't keep us in suspense. Kick us off. All right. So the first one I have is Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez. And that's translated from Spanish by Megan McDowell. And this is, this clocks in at around close to 600 pages. And it is huge. But I'd only read um, the author's short fiction. So I wasn't sure. Like, it's, it's kind of a bit of a whiplash to go from short fiction to this chunk of a book, which is wonderful. So we start with Juan, who is traveling with his son, Gaspar, from Buenos Aires to uh, North. We don't really know where North, per se, but he's heading there. And it's kind of, you know, we're kept in the dark a little bit about where he's going, but there's this thing called the Order, his wife who recently died under mysterious circumstances. Um, her family's part of this order. We know they have a hold over Juan and he's really concerned for his son, Gaspar. And Juan is actually an immigrant from, I want to say like Norway or Sweden or something. So he's blonde. So he stands out as an immigrant. He gets it's interesting to see the different characters interact with him because he does stand out. And so you can see this guy, but he's also sickly. He has a heart condition. So Juan is like trying to survive as a solo dad traveling north with his son. He's very concerned for his son's safety because of this order. It's all this mysterious stuff happening. And then this road trip turns into something much bigger. We begin to learn what the order is and... I know you guys really investigates who are the monsters in society. And she really interrogates this order of privileged people, the most privileged people in the country during a time in the 1980s where there's a, this dictatorship and stuff going on. So it is a ride. Like it is a dark and creepy ride. And I will say up front, there is graphic violence uh, towards women and children so just FYI, like very descriptive um, in young children as well. So just be aware that that is part of it. It is a horror novel, very graphic, violent kind of horror novel, and but it is very well well done in so many ways. Yeah, this book, I mean, I remember hearing about it before it came out. It was super buzzy. Mm -hmm. And then when it came out and we actually received it at the library, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's a doorstopper. It is. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't picked it up because I'm like, I don't know if I have the stamina right now to keep up with a book of that length right now. But it has just gotten so much attention from, well, you know, like you said, horror fans, um, since it is a horror novel. But just, I think the larger literary community has just been raving about this book. So I'm glad, I'm glad to know someone who has read it, and it will stay on my TBR. And as I slowly work my reading muscles back up to, back, back up to, to a higher, to a higher level. Well, what's, what's interesting about this book is like, it doesn't read like a doorstopper. Like I finished it. It's about 30 hours on audio, close to it. Mm, yeah. And I finished it in just a few days and I had to stop. I couldn't read for an entire day because I was working or something. I forget what it was. I was very sad about it. That's how I, I remember. Uh, so uh, it, it really flies by and there's, it's in sections, right? So it's in like these little, 
sections where you're getting the story from a different perspective. And so we're getting the story of this very creepy society, this very mystical, violent society that has its hands wrapped around Juan. And it's so interesting. And then we go back in time, we see Juan meeting his wife and being introduced to this place. It's very interesting. I will say there are a lot of discussions around disability and where disability comes from, the medical model versus societal model, I think, um, and how that relates to who is the most privileged is a very interesting conversation in this piece. So if you are disabled and you read this book, I would love to know your thoughts on it, but it's just fascinating. Yeah, so I would I would definitely recommend the translation's great. I, you know, seamless. Um there were some and I feel like, you know, we're we're moving away from italicizing uh words in other languages, which is great. We love that. So I feel like a lot of that was pretty seamless. And sometimes like the word stayed in Spanish because there just didn't it didn't translate well or something like that. And I feel like that was a a good choice for sure. So um, that is Our Share of Night by Mariana Enriquez, translated by Megan McDowell. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Before I jump into my first pick, let's go ahead and take a brief pause for our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, Black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, Black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Inez Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So my first pick is one that I've had on my radar since it was published in like early 2020 um, and just haven't gotten a chance to read yet. And uh, it's the Aosawa Murders by Riku Onda and translated by Allison Watts. And this actually would have been a good pick as well when we did our um, just last episode on literary crime fiction. I think this would really fit the bill. But the novel, it it jumps back and forth in time. Um, so the, the inciting event takes place, it's either in the 60s or the 70s, I can't remember exactly, but um, it's, you know, a few decades prior to present day. And the big incident is that there's the, the Aosawa family who is, um, they're having a big party at their house. It's well known in their, in their small town. They're a well-known prestigious family. They're, they have a bunch of neighbors and friends over to celebrate a birthday or something like that. And at the house, 17 people die of cyanide poisoning. And it's, 
very clear that this was not an accident. Um, This was premeditated murder. They find a mysterious poem left at the crime scene, um, and they're but they're not sure what it means. But what also is unusual is, or well, obviously unusual, but there's one survivor. No, sorry, take that back. There's two survivors, one of whom has escaped completely unscathed, and that is the family's 12-year-old daughter who is also blind. Her name is Hisako. And so she is blind, and so she cannot tell anyone what happened. She literally did not see what happened, but she emerged unscathed. And then the story, so the actual book is told from different perspectives, from people who um, who knew someone who was at the party. There's uh, someone who was briefly at the party and ended up writing a book about it. People in the village who heard stuff, people who knew the family. A few months after the murders take place, there's a young, a youngish man in town who dies by suicide and leaves a note saying that he was he was the the culprit he was the one who poisoned uh, everyone and so people are like oh well he did it but people but everyone's also like but the, what what's going on with the daughter as well because people are like some just something weird is going on and but when when the when the man is no longer alive they they just like well case closed so there are all of these lingering questions and the the purpose of the book is to, you know, is to tell the story from these different viewpoints. So you get like this, this 360 degree view of the family and the town and the events leading up to it and the relationships that people had with each other. And if you like those types of stories, and I know I talked about one in the previous literary crime fiction episode, but where you have like, you have this central person, who in this case is the daughter, Hisako, and you never really hear, like, you don't get a chapter from her perspective. You get chapters from people who knew her, and so you build your perception of her from other people's perceptions. And it's a really interesting way to tell the story. And each person, you know, knows a little bit, um, and the way and the way that the story is told, you can tell that there is someone going to each of these people and asking them because it's as if they are interacting with someone who's almost like off camera or off off the page. Like they're responding to questions that you can't hear. Like you can only hear their side of the conversation. But yeah, it's really, really interesting. And for a literary crime fiction novel, which tend to be slower because, you know, there is this focus on language and character and relationships. I read this book really, really quickly, like, maybe in a couple of sittings, like I read it like half of it at once, and then and then just kind of blasted through the other half, it goes really fast. Um, but yeah, it's just such an interesting story, it just kind of like folds in on itself. And then like you, like you just, the the way you have to kind of interact with the story to piece everything together is just, is really unusual. And I think this is one of the cool things that we're, you know, talking about with, with translated fiction is that you see these different methods of storytelling that, you know, you may not see as much in, you know, in American publishing. And yeah, it was it was just really really interesting and and also a book that if I had the time I probably would have gone back and read it again, but I didn't because I am like oh, I've got other stuff I need to read. Um, but it's that kind of book that just invites that that extra attention to it. So like Kendra, I rem- have you read this one or do you remember it coming out? I remember this one coming out because it it was released in short succession with a couple of other translated crime novels from uh, different parts of Asia that I thought were really, really interesting. So that's kind of why this one has stuck out in my mind. But yeah, just curious if this one ever made it onto your radar. I I haven't read it. And I feel like it looks familiar, like looking at the cover, it definitely looks familiar, but I haven't read it. So I'm very interested in checking it out for sure. I feel like that cover is I don't know, fascinating. There's something about gingham or whatever pattern that is mm-hmm. that captures your your attention. Very much so. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you if you, this is definitely something if you're looking for a crime novel that is different than what you get from, you know, American or British publishing or Canadian publishing. This is this is very this is very much a breath of fresh air and that is the Aosawa Murders by Riku Onda and translated by Allison Watts. And so my my second pick is a book that came out at the end of last year. I feel like it kind of snuck in right at the end there. And that is Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung, translated from Korean by Anton Her. Anton Her is really making a name for himself as a just an excellent translator of Korean literature. And so I hadn't actually read anything by him, even though I own several books translated by him. I hadn't read them yet. So I picked this one up. And let me tell you, this short story collection, Katie and I were talking about it a little bit, but it really starts off really testing your wills if you want to continue reading because it's about, how do I say this on air? Uh, it talks about <laughs> a woman who notices a like, a like a human-ish looking head appearing out of the toilet and it begins talking to her and says that it's feeding off her excrement, I think we can say that, her excrement and stuff. And so uh, it uh, she gets really angry at it for existing and goes through much of the story trying to get rid of it as it keeps growing. And so it is a creepy story, for sure. Boy, if I had a nickel. <laughs> um, like, it, it, I mean, I feel like this story is actually saying something very interesting about, I don't know, about identity and different things that I don't I don't want to spoil, but I feel like it's a very interesting story. And I do not do bathroom humor. I don't do bathroom horror. Like that's just not my thing. I think it's because of a gastrointestinal illness and I just don't need that in my reading life as well. <laughs> but that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like I got through it and it was fine. And that was really the only air quotes, like gross story. So if you don't like that one, I could say give the second one a shot as well. But Cursed Bunny, the title story is about like a cursed bunny and how this the protagonist narrator is speaking, her family creates these cursed objects. And so she talks about one of them, the cursed bunny. And like, so it's like a ghost story. There's like a very realistic type of ghost story at the end. The author is a translator of Polis literature into Korean, I believe. So that's really fascinating, you know, that the author herself is a translator. And so this is, there are some like thriller-esque stories. Some of them are like more haunted. Some of them are more horror. I felt like it was such a fascinating and just well-translated short story collection. Yeah, I can not stop thinking about it. I think I listened to the whole thing in one day. I mean, I feel like everything you just said belongs on that Reddit sub-thread or that, su- that subreddit where it's like, brand new sentences or something like that. The idea being like, this string of words has never been uttered before in the English language. I feel like that entire segment would fit. Like, holy cow. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff I'm just like, who comes up with this? I mean, clearly someone did, but oh my gosh. (laughs) It's very interesting because I've talked to several authors from around the world. I've talked to several translators. And what I find interesting is what America, you know, American and English literature in general, we tend to view magic, any magical thing, any mystical thing we view as fantasy. And that is a flaw in our understanding of literature because we're so against anything mystical ever uh, that we miss the cultural significance of these types of stories in, in other cultures when we read them. And so taking that in hand, I, I think this is a very interesting short story collection because it does feel sort of like modern fairy tales. But in that lens, these could just be stories of people. Um, and I find that very interesting to think about when reading books like this. That is really interesting. And yeah, something that I have, you know, briefly considered, you know, as you know, you, you look at different stories that come out. But yeah, that that is a really interesting perspective. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's an important one, especially when reading translated literature, because it is like a language, sure, but also there's a lot of cultural elements, you know, that, that don't necessarily translate and 
there are different literary traditions in different languages that we don't have in English. And so just keeping an open mind about genre even itself and reading stuff like this I think is important because like, again, these stories run, they read like fairy tales. There's even like a princess in one of them, you know, so it's definitely playing on that. But then there's like, you know, poo in the toilet coming alive. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like um, jelly bellies. Sometimes you're going to get a terrible one and sometimes they're great. You might be like me and even enjoy the terrible ones as well. Or maybe you think they're gross or whatever. So but please, if you don't like a story, I would say skip it and just keep trying the stories. That would be my recommendation if you're grossed out by stuff coming live in the toilet. I feel like it's a very interesting message about feminism in that story, but I digress. Uh, so definitely <laughs> check out Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung. Do not be afraid. Go into it with courage. Um, it is worth it. <laughs> Embrace the head in the toilet. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's translated by Anton Herr, who is an incredible translator. Well, I mean, I don't even know how to follow that up. I mean, my second pick is a very is, is much more in line with a very very traditional type of thriller. Um, it does it does verge on on horror somewhat, but I think it straddles the line. But um, so if you're if you're looking for something a little bit more predictable, um, and not that there's anything wrong with predictable or unpredictable, but I just gonna say sometimes we we find ways to to segue really nicely. Mine is like, oh my god, this is the exact opposite. <laughs> anyway, um, so my second pick is the Resting Place by Camilla Sten, um, translated from the Swedish by Alexandra Fleming, and Camilla Sten has been writing. Uh, she has been publishing for a few years over in Sweden, but um, she started getting attention um, a couple years ago with her book, The Lost Village, which was kind of like if the Blair Witch Project was turned into a book and mixed with a little like Ghost Hunters type of vibe. I mean, it's got that found footage feel. Um, but it was like, it was so atmospheric and I I really enjoyed it. Um, so this is her second book to have come out in the US. Um, and so this came out, I think, last year. And the resting place um, has the main character is Eleanor, and Eleanor has prosopagnosia, which I probably did not pronounce correctly, but the layman's term for it is face blindness. She is unable to recognize a person's face, even someone she knows really well. She has to identify people based on what she calls markers, like particular features hairstyles. Um, so like if someone were to, like if a friend of hers were to cut their hair or dye it a different color, she mentioned, she has a, the character has a short mention that her friends would send her pictures if they had just gotten a haircut so that she would recognize them because otherwise she would have no idea who they were. So the story starts off, she is visiting her grandmother's house or apartment um, she has a very, very contentious and kind of dysfunctional relationship with her grandmother, who essentially raised her as uh, from a young age. But her grandmother is is a person. Let's just say that she she is one heck of a person. But Eleanor, when she visits her grandmother's house, she walks in on a murder scene. There is there is an unknown man who has just murdered her grandmother, and he leaves. She sees him, but she did not see, could not see his face. She did not recognize him, so she doesn't know who this is. And obviously, this is very traumatic for her. A you know a key person in her life has been murdered horribly, but she this person she can't provide any information as to, as to who this person is so he's never caught and so she is kind of like going through life like who is this is this someone i know or is this someone you know is this someone i'm going to encounter again someday which is you know a really horrifying sense of you know just instability to carry around with you and then after her grandmother's death, she gets a call from a lawyer that says that her grandmother has left her a family property that Eleanor up to this point has not been aware of. It was like an old family estate tucked away in the woods. Her It was where her grandfather died suddenly years ago, and her grandmother has never talked about it. 
So she's really taken aback and going like, why would she leave me this place? So she ends up going to the house with the lawyer, her um, her long-term boyfriend, and her aunt, who she also has a contentious relationship with. And so they're they're going there to kind of take inventory of the estate. But it's very clear that there there was a lot that happened in this house. And the story is told from alternating perspectives from Eleanor's point of view in the present day to scenes that happened maybe, you know, 50, 60 years ago that are clearly in the house, clearly involving people from Eleanor's family. And so you have that kind of parallel narrative moving together. And, you know, ultimately, you're like, okay, these two, these two storylines are going to intersect at some point. And so it's kind of figuring out when are they going to intersect? And how are they going to intersect? But this is, it's again, very like her first book, this one is a very atmospheric type of story. Um, It has a haunted house feel, but it's not, it's not gory. It's not like, you know, it's not the kind of horror that you give to like hardcore fans. Like it very much straddles the line between psychological suspense and horror. And it's just got these dark, gloomy, deep woods, creepy house vibes, which I am all about. Like if I had an aesthetic, like a reading aesthetic, that would be it. And I uh, have not quite gotten to the end of it yet, but such a fast read. Like the chapters are so short, you're going through and you just cannot believe how quickly you are turning the pages of this one. But yeah, I've, you know, we've kind of, we've, with all of our, with both of our picks, we've, uh, up to this point, I think, had, you know, very different types of literary structures or subject matter or whatever the case may be. But yeah, if you're looking for just kind of, just a really, like I said, a really moody, atmospheric, psychological suspense novel, this one, this one is, is very much, it will very much deliver. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I guess unintentionally we kind of we kind of picked a horror theme, um, which I, I, I promise we did not we did not intend to do. That's just how it how it played out. But yeah, this one this one I think is a good general type of pick. But yeah, have you? I mean, you know, as I always ask, have you have you read anything by Camilla Sten? Um, I feel like she's yeah, this is only her second book that I know of in in English, but after The Lost Village, I feel like she's really started to gain a name for herself here. No, I've never read this author before, so I'm very interested to hear about her work. Yeah, and this would be a really good October pick as well. Mm, we love spooky season. Yep, spooky season's a coming. Uh, so this one is The Resting Place by Camilla Sten and translated by Alexandra Fleming. Well, those are our picks for today's theme, but we still have a couple new books to talk about. New books, new books. Yeah, my pick for new releases is out this week on August 8th, and it is Looking Glass Sound by Catriona Ward, which, yeah, it's again, um, unintentionally, I swear I did not pick this, but like, I feel like it mimics the, uh, the resting place with like, you know, kind of this, this creepy natural setting and all of this stuff. And it's got a great cover. Anyway, so it takes place on the coast of Maine and Wilder Harlow begins the last book that he is ever going to write. So he is writing the story of a summer from his childhood and the killer that stalked the New England town where he grew up, uh, the tragedy that bonded him with his friends in ways that they could not foresee of the trauma and the horror that followed them over the years as they grew up. So he has returned to the town decades later in an attempt to kind of recount what happened for this memoir, which if you've read any suspense fiction whatsoever, you know that this is a terrible idea for anyone to come back to their childhood town to relive old memories. It never (laughs) ends well. So he is writing the story, but then he starts to fear that his grip on the truth and what actually happened is fading. And he's starting to see that events that he's writing about in the manuscript start to echo things that are happening in the present. And he's even seen 
uh, has started seeing a dark-haired woman in the water below the cottage where he's writing, but no one else sees her, so he has no idea what's going on. So he's not able to trust his own eyes. He he begins to fear that not only is this going to be the last book he ever writes, this may be the last thing he ever does. So yeah, Catriona Ward is another name that has become really popular in the psychological suspense and horror fields. But again, this sounds like it's just got elements of both suspense and horror. And it just, it just feels like they're just, they just combine into just the, just such a spooky harmony. Um, So again, that is Looking Glass Sound by Catriona Ward. And that is out on August 8th. I'm also very excited for that one. I feel like the obvious Stephen King inspiration I'm here for. Yeah. Anytime you say Maine, you're like, all right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, a horror writer. Yeah. Yeah. So excited about that. Definitely will be listening to that this fall. Um, My pick is a YA novel, The Dark Place by Brittany S. Lewis. And this is about Haley Williams. She's a 17-year-old whose brother has recently disappeared. But then one night she's like yanked into another dimension and she she's like what is happening obviously like we all would be um but then right as she's trying to like figure out where she is and maybe this had something to do with her brother's disappearance etc she's like sucked back into the real world so she then basically the whole rest of the novel is her trying to figure out what that place is and how it relates to her brother disappearing and of course she meets a tall handsome stranger um and so you know it's a romance it appears to be happening so very excited the cover honestly i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie i might have chosen this because the cover is so good and sucked me in it's so good it um it has the cover features a a black girl on the cover with like natural hair but like she has what almost looks like a gag over her mouth um, there's like stuff going on in that weird and like creepy way that a lot of teen horror covers are where you're looking at a photo of a person, but something, something isn't right. Ooh, I just pulled it up on my phone. Isn't that creepy? You're like, there's something with the eyes, obviously yeah. with the mouth, like it's so good. So kudos to the designer, but definitely check out The Dark Place by Brittany S. Lewis. And that's it. That's our show. We made it. We made it. We did. Uh, so thanks so, to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks so much, of course, to our wonderful sound editor who every week makes us sound great. You all have no idea. We greatly appreciate you, Jen. Also, if you would like to check out the show notes, you can find those at bookriot.com slash listen. And for more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And of course, you can also find Book Riot's full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen or just search book riot on your podcast player of choice if you'd like to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions you can reach us at red or dead at bookriot.com. otherwise you can find me kendra on twitter and instagram at kd as in dylan winchester and you can find katie on twitter at kt underscore library lady and we will talk to you all next time bye